Hey everyone, it's the Kung Fu Genius, aka Alex Richter. And I just want to thank you all for your tremendous support here for this podcast, both in the audio format and on YouTube. If you're looking for an easy way to support this podcast, please consider joining the Kung Fu Genius Patreon. You can support for as little as $5 a month and get access to episodes a few days early. Higher levels of support will even get additional goodies, exclusive content, and even your name in the description. The baller level of support will give you the opportunity to be Dre for a day and give me a rest from this guy here. A link for the Kung Fu Genie's Patreon page is in the description below. You can also support us by subscribing to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube, liking this video, and sharing it on your social media platforms. And with that, let's get started. All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of taxi driving seafoods, lots of, if you think the Shaolin Temple is real, you need self-help books, homie. Let's get to it. He is unstoppable, unbeatable, unbelievable. He's Alex Richter, the Kung Fu Genius. And every day, I practice martial arts. <laughs> Word is, I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Practice all day like a genius. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? What's up, Sifu? I'm copacetic. Everything good? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's up. Here we are for another yeah, episode yeah. Of the Kung Fu Genius. Woo! Here we are. We're going to do another Ask Me Anything episode as always. So okay. uh, what do you got for me? Wow. You just always right to it. You can't even like lube we, it up. You know, you can't even lube it up. You know, I realize like sometimes the idle chit chat doesn't really work at the beginning of this episode. You know why? Uh. Because we're always like two, three weeks like ahead of when this episode comes out. So whatever like cool talking point we have oh, is right, like right. crusty old by the time the episode comes out, right? Like Will Smith. Yeah, Jada. let me tell you about Will Smith slapping uh, Chris Rock, <laughs> which is already about two weeks old by the time we record this. But right. it'll be ancient by the time this episode oh, comes out. Damn. So damn. that's why it's like, hey, might as well just get right to it, man. All right. So All right. first off, out of the, the, the gate, we got. Devin Harper. All right. That was a smooth opening, by I'm the way. I'm trying. I'm trying know, to get it, like, smoother and smoother, eating yeah, smooth I peanut know. butter. Yeah. Not that chunky stuff. <laughs> Hi. That no, no, wasn't smooth right there. <laughs> Cut that. Cut that. Hi, Sifu Alex. Yeah. Love your phone ringing like that. <laughs> Long-time listener of the dudes in KFG. Thank you very much. Really enjoy it and your recent wooden dummy book. I have some fun AMA fodder for you. All right. Number one, what is a Kung Fu master, or more specifically, a Wing Chun master? Are you a Wing Chun master or a WT master? Uh Uh-huh. Got it. Damn. All right. Damn, Devin. Well, that's a pretty direct question, all right? (laughs) So, uh, well, the question about things like titles like master, and I'm going to leave the whole grandmaster thing out of it because that's a whole can of worms on its own. I don't really like that title, all right? I don't like the title of master. I, I don't, 
Uh, and and maybe um, it sounds too much like I'm kind of copying Bruce Lee, but you know I'm probably copying Bruce Lee. Uh, but the idea of like he once said in that um, phone conversation with Dan Lee that he didn't like the word mature. He liked the word maturing, maturing. because it's a process, right? Yeah. Something you never really quite get there. Puts you are it in the present tense. Yeah, and you're also a work past. in progress, right? So mm. like wherever you are now, you would hope that in five years you are further along on that road or that path, right? So what I what I don't like about the word master is that it's I mean, again, not sound too much like Bruce Lee, but it's like a crystallization. Right. Mm. You have now achieved this thing and it kind of almost sounds like an end product Ah. or an end position or an end goal. Mm. And when you're practicing martial arts or when you teach martial arts, you do martial arts or whatever your verb of martial arts is, I believe you should look at it like a continual process rather than uh, I have achieved this rank or uh, this level. And remember that things like rank and level and and all of these different degrees and, and belts and ranking systems that martial arts have, these are more or less a modern construct. And they're definite benefits to that, especially when you teach martial arts professionally in that they give students... Um, kind of bite-sized goals to kind of like work up to learning, you know, more advanced program or to getting up to a certain level. So there is a great motivational factor for giving people, you know, some sign of recognition for having learned certain things. But of course, yeah, but of course we all know that the downside of ranking systems is that there's a lot of abuse in ranking systems, meaning that, you know, in certain styles or uh, in certain schools, like levels can be bought. And I'm not just talking about Wing Chun. I mean, like any martial art that uses some kind of ranking system. Right. And sometimes there are political considerations. These people get promoted, but these people don't because of these people have a closer relationship to the master or whatever. And these people don't. And um, and sometimes, you know, a lot of times these these promotions can be political And sometimes, on the other hand, sometimes ranking is just a money-making thing for some schools. And it's just a way to Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, churn out more people. Like in McDojo's, like, you know, everyone's a black belt kind of thing. So there definitely is a dark side to things like ranking systems and, and whatnot. And one of the things I would say is another dark side, besides all the obvious abuses of a ranking system, are these kind of titles like master, right? Mm. That when you are a such and such level, uh, let's say in Wing Chun, it's usually a fifth level practitioner, uh, then you are considered a master in Wing Chun. Um, Another style, it might be a gold sash, and then you're a master. And in uh, certain lines of um, traditional karate, it might be when you have the fifth dan. um, that you are what level Maxter Baxter. Master, Master Baxter, Baxter is, it's actually he's actually a grandmaster, so he's got to be like eighth, ninth, tenth level, something true, like that, right? True, right? And so, of course, the thing is that in, in different ranking systems are not like across the board the same. So, a a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is is not the same level of experience as a black belt in karate, right? You can get a black belt in karate, even a fairly tough karate style like Kyokushin generally much faster than you can get a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt might actually be the equivalent in terms of time and experience to like a much higher Mm -hmm. Dan level of black belt in karate rather than just a plain old black belt, right? So ranking systems and things like that are not equivalent across the board. So then that brings us to the question, well, what does it then mean to be a master or is this title even important, right? Now, I come from a Wing Chun lineage that used 
those titles, um, although we, we never actually called anyone a master. Uh, Sifu Lengting was very fond of Masoyama, all right, which is a, actually a very interesting fact in and of itself. Oh, yeah. If you look at Sifu Lengting's book, um, Wing Chun-kun, which was his big, the big book that he wrote in the 70s. It's okay. kind of one of the pillars of 70s and 80s martial art books. Book for some reason. You don't have it? You no, should have it. I have like four different copies of it oh. in English. And I have like two or three foreign language editions of it, plus the, ch- the Chinese version, which is actually in two parts. Yeah, and it's yeah. interesting how different countries translated different things. <laughs> so, um, but but when you um, have spent a little time with Sifu Lengting, he does mention Masoyama every now and again. And Masoyama, not only was he the founder of Kyokushin uh, Kai Karate, which is a type of full contact karate, he was a bit of an iconoclastic person who went against tradition a little bit Mm. and believed that, you know, they should focus more on sparring, although he all still had kata and a lot of the the traditional trappings of of, uh, Japanese and Okinawan martial arts. But um, he believed in like, you know, full contact fighting and testing your abilities and hard training. But he also was a pretty organized person in terms of organizing his system, like with the levels and the belts and so on and Mm -hmm. so forth. And he wrote um, he wrote a few books in the 60s and 70s. Um, and those books have become kind of classics of karate and Kyokushin in particular. Sifu Lengting's um, book, Wing Chun-kun, is very clearly a copy of Masoyama's This is Karate. When, oh, you, wow. when you look at them side by side, it, it, it's kind of like this is the authoritative book on karate. And Leung Ting in the late 70s, mid to late 70s, wanted to write like an authoritative book on Wing Chun, which would be like an overview on the style, an overview on the forms, the methods, the history, kind of like an all-in-one type book, so right? So borrowed the template. He borrowed the template. But uh, Sifu Leung Ting was also one of the first, if not the first, Wing Chun teacher to really adopt a formal ranking system. And um, I'm not here to litigate whether ranking systems are good or bad, they definitely, if you're teaching professionally and you want to teach things step by step, okay. uh, a ranking system can be very valuable. If you're just teaching a couple people, like people, you don't need a ranking system. You're teaching a couple people in your basement. I mean, you don't need a ranking system no. for that. You don't even need a phone number for that, okay? <laughs> so, you know, the, the problem is at what level are you teaching? When people kind of condemn ranking systems or formalization or whatever, normally those are people who just are training with a couple other dudes. And if that's what you're doing, yeah, of course you don't need those things. But mm. teach Wing Chun to a school of 50, 100, 200 people and show me how it's done without standardizing stuff. And then I want to see that school burn to the ground in two months, okay? So b- by having Man. standards, and uh, you can um, have a curriculum. And, of course, you can modify that according to different tastes and things like that. But essentially, a good ranking system should be just a standardization of the curriculum. And all a ranking system is that you have learned a portion of that curriculum and you can do it to a certain degree of competency. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are like an undefeatable fighter because you've learned this program or you learned the Buji or whatever. The ranking system is just like you have learned this and the ranking system is just acknowledging that you have learned that, that you put in the time and you have some level of competency in it. And 
part of the reason why Wing Chun in particular, in my opinion, and I know a lot of people can disagree with me on this and I'm fine, I'll still sleep at night with no problems, is that there was no ranking system in Wing Chun, right? So there was no standardization of the program. Yes, you begin with the Sunum Tao and learn single arm Chi Sao and progress a double arm and then learn the Chum Q and so on and so forth. Um, but without a ranking system and standardization, that is why you have so much... Um, contention between the different Wing Chun schools in terms of what do you teach, when do you teach it, is this Wing Chun, is that not Wing Chun, whereas they don't necessarily have those problems as much in even hardcore styles like Kyokushin because wow. they have a standardized ranking program. So having a standardized ranking system doesn't mean that you have sold out, all right? you can you, Look, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has a ranking system. Now, it's not always standardized among all Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu schools, but still, that's a ranking system that is supposed to stand for quality. Why Chinese Kung Fu people think they can't do the same thing. They automatically assume that a ranking system is just selling out or selling ranks or whatever. Look at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, of course, you can always find examples of abuse. But for the most part, they have a high level of integrity with the ranking system, as do some other martial arts styles. So wow. in, um, in Masoyama's book... He kind of describes his ranking system and you have, you know, once you become a black belt, you'll first Dan, second Dan, third Dan. And by the time you're a fifth Dan, I believe, okay, and I'm, again, I'm not an expert in Kyokushin Kai, but then you are essentially considered like a master once you're a fifth Dan. You're not a master when you're a black belt. You're a master when you're like a, a fifth Dan. And okay. that is, and Leung Teng, not just taking Masoyama's uh, example for his book, but he also took it for his ranking system. So um, the 12 student levels, that's not necessarily based on a belt ranking system. That's just based on a division of 12, um, like it's academic, like you have 12 yeah. grades, right? right? And then his, high, that his, his higher level ranking system, like for the technician levels, uh, which would be the equivalent of a black belt, I suppose, uh, is somewhat based on Masoyama's Dan ranking system, which is, from what I understand... Not particular to Masoyama. Other karate systems use a similar one. And so the first four levels, Sifu Lengting called the technician, which is essentially like the first four Dan levels of a black belt. Mm -hmm. And then when you became a fifth level, you were no longer a technician. You were what's called a practitioner or a practitioner in Lengting's Chinglish. Mm -hmm. And that meant that you are now a master. That means you have internalize the art to a certain degree, but then you can be a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth level master, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that, the ninth and the tenth, those are the grandmaster levels reserved for whoever, you know, the technically whoever the 10th level is, is supposed to be the current head of the school of the style. Let's say in this case, Leung Teng Wing Chun and the ninth level is supposed to be the successor. Uh. All right. And then the 11th is when he retired and 12th is posthumous after you're dead or whatever. Right. Then you get that oh, no. posthumously. Right. Oh, so man. we I'm always used to make jokes level. about all these like a uh, German guys who would quit the EWTO <laughs> and then give themselves grandmaster titles. And we say, why don't they just go all the way for the 12th level? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that, that's ba the basic idea. So like, you know, 11th level is like you're retired. 12th level is posthumous. But 10th is supposed to be the current grandmaster. Nine is supposed to be the successor. And then. Eighth is like the highest level of master before you are in that grandmaster level. But mm -hmm. the, the the one person who had a really hard time adhering to the ranking system that he created was Leung Ting himself. And so he he jumbled up the whole oh, grandmaster thing a little bit. Uh, with the This should only be a, a one-ninth level uh, who should be the successor to the grandmaster, right? And then he... he 
maybe changed his mind about those things later on. That might have been his idea when he first started, but then eventually he he changed it, and then you know, and that caused some issues later, right? So anyway, um, back to the original question. So if you're a fifth level practitioner in Wing Chun, uh, you should have at least. 15 years of experience in Wing Chun or more. Usually it takes people a little bit longer, but let's say 15 years uh, unless you uh, are phenomenally skilled or talented or work hard. I mean, of course, it depends. There are people who've done it much quicker, but that would mean you put about 15 years into it. And if those are hard training years and you have experience and and then it's obviously understood that you should have a certain degree of mastery in that skill, the ability to apply it at will or apply it effectively. Um, But that's not a guarantee. I still don't like that title uh, because again, that title is very loaded um, with imagery of even though it's master, but imagery of grandmasters and people with supernatural abilities or, you know, um, or they can DJ really good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so um, I, I think, uh, I think traditional martial arts people should stop using that title, because sifu oftentimes sifu is translated as master. It's even translated in a lot of Chinese books. Like if you look up uh, the term sifu in a Chinese word book, sometimes it might say master. Okay, mm. um, but. I actually don't find that an accurate translation of the title. So Sifu, there, there are two types of Sifu, the, the Chinese characters, right? And by the way, a very long time ago, like 2020, oh, uh, no. I, I did a series of videos before I started the Kung Fu Genius podcast where I talked Shit. about like the titles like Dai Sifu oh, and yeah, Sifu yeah, and the Kung Fu that. family tree. And if you're new to this channel and you have not watched those, you can find like um, if you watch uh, the not-so-complicated uh, Kung yeah. Fu family tree uh-huh. where I actually break down all of these things. So I don't want to sound too repetitive, especially for people who followed me for a while. But there, there, are, two, there are two Fu characters in, in when you say Si Fu, right? And so Si Fu, the first Fu character, can mean um, like an expert, okay? Like so it means someone who is an expert in a blue-collar trade. So you don't use the term Sifu for scholarly pursuits. Like if someone were a teacher, usually you say Lo uh, Si or Lao Shi in Mandarin, right? Like that means teacher. You don't use that term for Kung Fu instructors um, because uh, Kung Fu is not considered a like a white-collar scholarly pursuit. It's considered blue-collar, blue-collar. right? Oh. And the other people who uh, might use the title Sifu are like a chef mm-hmm. or a taxi driver. Okay. So when you're in Hong Kong and you're in a taxi, you can call the taxi driver Sifu, right? That doesn't mean that they're your martial <laughs> arts Sifu. That. that means that they're, they're, they're an expert in taxi driving, which is a blue-collar job, right? Uh-huh. Which is why we think it's funny when, like, non-Chinese people get the Sifu title in their respective martial art, and then they think that this title means that they're some kind of, like, super special person. It's like, yeah, bro, it just means you know enough of your martial arts style to start uh-huh. helping other people, right? Uh-huh. But get in line. You're a Sifu behind the chef, the taxi yeah. driver, the blacksmith, you, all these other guys, you, right? You can get them around town. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you, so, you know enough. so that's the one uh, meaning of Fu, all right, which which can mean like an expert, right? And so that is essentially a title for someone who is an expert in a blue collar trade, and may 
teach it to others, but not necessarily. Like a chef is not necessarily teaching his trade to other people, but you could still call them a sifu, right? Mm. And then there's another fu character, which means father. And when you put these two side by side, they're, it's essentially the same pronunciation. So even some Chinese people get these characters confused. The second one means father, and that is the, the version you would use for your own personal teacher. Mm. All right, because then you're calling them like, like, it's almost like Kung Fu father, although it sounds, always sounds kind of culty. But I prefer the term mentor, all right? Uh -huh. I think mentor takes the cultiness out of it. Like people say, you're my Kung Fu father. It's like, no, man, you're, your father's at home. I'm not your father, okay? <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm your, I'm, I, you can say I'm your Kung Fu father if you call me Sifu, but I... I prefer mentor, I think, is a much better term for it. Even if mm -hmm. it doesn't mean exactly the same, I think the sentiment of a mentor or a coach is better than that kind of, all right, you are my sworn disciple and you have to listen to everything I say and you're not allowed yes, to have son. a brain and think your own thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. um, there, was a, there was a Wing Chun instructor in Vienna, not part of the EWTO, but... Uh, part of a rebel organization and uh, I, I taught uh, one of his students many years ago and he was very culty and he is still very culty and he uh, he allowed his assistant to teach a class which was like a big deal because mm. he likes to control everything and he even told the student you're allowed to use your own words to teach the class <laughs> like, which is kind of like Oh, my God. What? Like, yeah, I mean, so that's like the weird culty shit that drives me nuts about some of these titles and things like you that. Use right? your own words. Yeah, use your own words. In other words, you don't have to just explain it the way I would explain it. You could even use some of your own thoughts. So you have, <laughs> you have a martial arts instructor in a free country telling another adult male, uh, you're, you're, allowed, you're allowed to use your I'm, – I'm giving you permission to use your own thoughts – when you combine wow. words to teach other people, all right? <laughs> oh, wow. Dude. Which is ridiculous, right? So, oh, so obviously, when it, these titles like master and these things have a lot of weird shit attached to them, and that's why I don't like them. So mm. if, you, if you look at the term Spores. Sifu uh, as like the father character, I think if you look at that as the term mentor, um, then I think that is a really that's a much better way of looking at it. And then if you look at the term Sifu, the other one, which would normally mean like an expert, in Chinese martial arts, I think the best way to translate that would be coach. So you can once you become a Sifu, a coach, mm. you can take on your own personal students, which will then call you mentor. Yeah. But that doesn't mean, but people who don't learn from you wouldn't call you mentor. They would call you coach, for example, right? And those two sound the same and people get that confused. In theory, although even in Hong Kong, they don't always adhere to it. If someone is a Sifu, but not your Sifu, you shouldn't just call them Sifu. If someone is your personal Sifu, right? Like this is the person who adopted you into their martial arts school. You just call them Sifu. You and don't call it. them Sifu in their name. Yeah. Because you're not using Sifu as a title. You are calling them Sifu. Yeah, I would like never call you Sifu Alex. It's weird, right? Yeah. But you might say that if you were talking about me to someone who was not my student, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So I always find it weird when people come up to me who are not my students, but they learn from someone else. So they do have a Sifu and they're like, oh, Sifu, it's so nice to meet you. And like this, look at the back uh -huh. of my mind. I'm kind of like, like oh, no. I'm always worried. Like if their Sifu is here, <laughs> their Sifu will get uh, upset. Right. You know what I mean? Now, of course, 
the joke is most Westerners don't know about that. Mm -hmm. So it's a mistake they make, and even their own Western seafoods don't know that that's a mistake. So it, it usually goes under the radar, right? Damn. So in general, if you meet a sifu who is not your sifu, you should call them sifu and their name. Mm. And if they are your personal sifu, which would mean usually it's only one person, then you just call them sifu, right? Now, that is that is a general rule. Of course, the different schools are different, okay. all right? Like uh, in Hong Kong, they might have different ideas about that but whether you call someone coach so-and-so or you call someone you know mentor or whatever those don't really mean master even though they sometimes get translated that way all right and i know that i mean even i have some cantonese word books you look in up the title uh, or the word sifu and then it'll say master right yeah and i think that's just one possible way of looking at it but i don't like the term master because it just seems like an end product and it seems like, okay, you are now a master. Now you're done. And you're never done with martial arts. You're never done getting better, right? You can have a high level of skill. You can be a really good teacher. But you still want to become more skillful. And you still want to be a better teacher. So what, what is the bar for being a master, right? And do you, have, uh, do you have to be the best fighter to be a master in a martial art? There, there are too many variables. And, and this is a problem that only exists in English, because in Hong Kong, when you call someone Sivu, you're, you're basically either calling them coach or you're just calling them an expert. And if you can be an expert in something, doesn't mean you're a master of it. You understand what I'm saying? Like, okay. I'm, I have expertise in this field. All right. But that doesn't mean that, you know, like the, 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 the level of mastery is so high that it's beyond question or that there are not other people out there who are way better than me or something like okay. that. Right. So I, I think. I think that title just needs to die. And when people call me Master Richter, like they use the English, I'm very uncomfortable with that. I don't like it. There's too much negative shit attached Damn. to that word. I just don't like it. Damn. Yeah, and it's one step down from Grandmaster. It's a title I'm not fond of at all. So I think just if you're a Sivu, just be content with being a Sivu. And if you don't like Chinese terms, how many students call you coach? <laughs> and if you don't like that, then just have them call you by your name. Whatever you do in your yeah. school is fine. Because anytime I talk about this stuff, people are like, well, in my school, we don't even use titles. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm not telling you you're wrong for not yeah. using that stuff. It's just if you're going to use it, you should use it correctly. All right. right. Then sometimes people realize they're using stuff incorrectly and then they just double down and go, oh, this stuff's not important. I'm not Chinese anyway. Okay. But if you're going <laughs> to use it, you should use it right. All right. All right. All right, yeah. next question. Well, I'm curious about something. I yeah. I used to have, uh, when I trained JKD, I had another Sifu. Uh-huh. So what are you saying? If I, run, <laughs> so he, if I run into him, I, I I should not call him Sifu anymore, right? And this, this, yeah, this so, is so a that's, weird thing. Well, see, me. I mean, this is, this is the conflict between traditional Chinese culture and modernity. Ah. Because when a lot of these... Rules were established and, you know, these things are cultural and these things are un continually progressing, even in Hong Kong. I mean, mm -hmm. like the, 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 the these things have ch also changed over time a little bit, too. Remember in the old days, let's say in the Qing Dynasty, when if you were going to learn martial arts, I mean, you were, at that time you were living in an agrarian society. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a whole lot to do. There wasn't farming, twenty. Man. There wasn't it's twenty different seafoods for you to choose from. Yeah. You're gonna learn a little bit from this guy, and when you get bored with this guy, you go to the <laughs> other side of Fatsan and go learn from this other guy, right? Uh, and in Chinese culture, because the, the these rules about you know 
you have one Sifu and then, you know, your Sifu, Sifu is your Sigong and everyone who started be- before you under the same Sifu there, your Siheng or Sije or whatever. This is based on Confucian ideals and ancestor worship and the kind of very patriarchal structure of, of uh, Chinese culture. And so that is just a, an immediate reflection of the normal family rules you would have at home just applied into a Kung Fu family setting. So you have... Mm-hmm. If you are accepted into a Kung Fu school at that time, that was a big deal because most of the Sifus didn't really teach openly, so they they could hand-select their students. So if you were picked to learn from a Sifu, that was a big deal. It wasn't easy in many respects to get picked by a Sifu. So if that Sifu finally adopted you, you weren't going to muck around and do anything to get kicked out, all right? And, And so you followed that Sifu basically for the rest of their lives. So you had only one Sifu. If you finally got accepted into a school after like doing everything and then doing a baisi ceremony and oh, you know yeah. s- swearing loyalty to your sifu or whatever only to three years later start learning from someone else i mean that would be a major insult to your own character to uh-huh. do something like that right? right because one they didn't have that many things to do so i don't think there were there wasn't there weren't that many options and two yeah. that went totally against the idea of Chinese culture. You have one Sifu. Mm -hmm. You don't have multiple Sifus. Now, I know in modern culture, that's a little bit different. Even in Hong Kong, there are some people who have different Sifus. And what you find with this one Sifu rule, all right, is most Chinese Kung Fu instructors will tell you that you only have one Sifu. And if you jump to another Sifu, they consider that a, a, a lack of character or a lack of ethics. If you jump to another Sifu within the same style, they consider that super shady. If you jump to a Sifu who's a higher generation than your current Sifu, they look at that as like, mm. of course, they're not putting any shade on the the second Sifu who adopted you. The blame all goes on, the, goes student on the student somehow, right? Okay. Now look, are they examples of that? Yeah, of course. I mean, even modern examples, uh, Wan Kam Leung, very famous student of Wong Sun Leung, but was originally Leung Sung's student beforehand. Leung Teng, first started learning from Leung Sung later started learning from uh, Yip Man, although Leung Teng always called Yip Man Si Kong. He never called him Sifu, contrary to popular belief. So, um, but there are even modern examples of people who learn from this guy and then later learn from that guy. So do they have two Sifus, right? And what you find is that most people will justify that in their own um, case. You know, they might say, okay, in general, you only have one Sifu. You don't have multiple Sifus, mm-hmm. all right? But if they themselves have had more than one Sifu, yeah, well, okay. In my situation, this is what happened. Yeah, in right? my situation, yeah, so, so I what was you always young find, and yeah. then I became older. So even, um, even among Chinese, you will find that, like, if it applies to them or someone they know or someone they care about, they will tell you the, the uh, specific circumstances why so-and-so or they themselves have more than one Sifu. And they'll excuse it in themselves. Well, in general, not excusing it out there, right? So in in some cases, someone might practice different types of martial arts. Mm -hmm. So you might have a Wing Chun Sifu and then maybe also learn Tai Chi and you have a Tai Chi Sifu, okay? In the old days, even that would have been frowned down upon. But nowadays, that's generally accepted as okay. So then sometimes Wing Chun Sifus might get multiple Sifus of, of different Wing Chun lineages, and say, well, this is my Sifu in Yip Man Wing Chun and this one, this one here. And then, oh. and then they get around there. But but if you really look at it, it's um, it's actually not correct in Chinese culture. Now, that's a completely different question as to whether that's a problem in reality. All okay. right. I mean, if 
people want to learn from multiple instructors and learn from different lineages and sivus, that in 2022 should be everyone's right to learn and do whatever the hell they want in terms of martial arts. Right. If you can afford okay? it. If you can afford it, why not? Right. <laughs> and and we, we live in a much more open society in terms of information and exchange and all that kind of stuff. Right. That these super conservative attitudes just really don't fit anymore. Right. But you can't say that that's absolutely correct in Chinese culture. That's a separate issue. So mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I get it. All right. Multiple students from all over the world who have a sivu and maybe have had a falling out with them, where they don't like what their sivu is is teaching them. They also come to New York and learn from me, right? But I don't let them call me sifu. I still adhere to that. Oh, all right. Interesting. Yeah, they can call me sifu Alex because I am a sifu, but not their sifu. But because they learn from me, if, if they just call me sifu, I said no, no, no your sifu is this person yeah. and even if their relationship is not good with their Sifu or former Sifu I said they're still your Sifu so I I, 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 I don't I, I still I have no problem teaching them so I've kind of blended both alright okay. I'll teach you alright mm-hmm. but um, if I'm not your Sifu don't call me Sifu just oh, because I think that's that that's just not correct alright if we're go- if we're gonna follow those terms to any degree that we should have some basic standardization of that like yeah. you in have my case Sifu. I had a hard reset yeah, so so I, I mean, know, you know, the said. problem is okay. You had learned Teet Kundo before. Now you learn Wing Chun. So, are did you you have a C? So most modern people say you have a Jeet Kundo Sifu and you have a Wing Chun Sifu, right? And then that's how they're able to separate, <laughs> right? Although if it were the fifties in Hong Kong, they would be oh you Bunto, you rebel, right? Bunto. Yeah, you're a you're a Bunto, right? Oh mm-hmm. man, oh man. All, All right. right, what do we got? Next up, we got Andrew Lin. Andrew Lin, I've heard of that guy before. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's pretty uh, known he's, in he, the uh, camping world. He's I. <laughs> His question is, I often see people on social media trashing certain technique demonstrations, saying mm-hmm. they aren't realistic or practical. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's something ridiculous. But at the same time, there are lots of legitimate techniques that take lots of training to be able to apply how does one know the difference between a technique not working in application versus you simply not being able to do the technique, mm-hmm. especially when they're coming from an outside perspective? Right. Oh, that's a great question. And that's a, a big problem now in social media where, you know, people are posting things that they do. And then you go, oh, it wouldn't work in a real fight. No, uh-huh. right? Like that and dude course- who uh, was he from Chicago? He's showing all that gun stuff. Oh, Is yeah, he from yeah. Chicago? Yeah, that self-defense guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He got big real quick. He did get big real quick, right? Yeah. And (laughs) And a lot of the stuff he showed is kind of of weird and crazy, right? Yeah, so... started clowning him, yep. Okay, so, I mean, the thing with that is that context is king, all right? And so there's a a saying in Chinese that a half bucket makes the most noise, all right? And so (laughs) Uh, if if, if you are someone that doesn't know anything, about what, let's say you don't know anything about martial arts or self-defense and you see a self-defense demonstration, some, you know, like the stuff you see on, on Instagram if someone's holding on to someone's throat and then you see that person do some kind of movement to dissolve it, right? You don't know anything. You go, oh, cool. Like you don't know, right? All right. And then uh, you become an actual expert in martial arts and you look at something like that and you either go, I could see where that could work or you go, I don't think that would work in, under stress but either way you don't squawk about it because you are an expert and you are confident in what you know mm-hmm. and you don't need to go out there and be like yeah it's a bit of bullshit but what makes the most noise a half bucket full of water oh it man. swirls around and yeah. knocks around and oh, makes a bunch of noise swishing, an, em- an empty bucket 
makes no noise. Yeah. The person who doesn't know anything, because they're just like, mm. and the expert, a full bucket, also doesn't make any noise. <laughs> it's all the half buckets that kind of know something, or what's usually the case, they have a little bit of training in one style, and whatever they're looking at is not the way their style does it. Now, I will admit, there's a fair amount of self-defense crap on, let's just say, Instagram, all right? Okay. Where people are showing, like, someone grabs you, like, here, and you go around, do this, and do this, and do this, all right? Where I go, I, I don't know if, under stress and pressure, if you're able to do something this complicated, and but maybe with a lot of training, you can make that work. Okay. Repetition. But either way, when I see some stuff that I think is kind of questionable, like, I look at that, and I, I, uh, like, it's something, like, I don't know how someone would pull that off. The last thing I do is comment on it. Mm. Oh, this is total bullshit. This would never work. <laughs> First of all, again, I'm saying, like, do you you're, think you're like that full bucket? Yeah, but well, I mean, do you think? Wow. No, I'm an empty bucket. <laughs> trust me. Do you think that you're going to correct someone in the comments in real time? And I know I'm sounding like a broken record. I talked about this recently, but everything in life is a cost-benefit analysis. All right, you are coming in and saying this thing doesn't work. And do you think the person who made that video is going to read your comment and go, you know what? That's a well-reasoned <laughs> argument. I'm going to take this video down <laughs> and I'm going to go down. learn something else. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The number of people like who kind of uh, write comments where they're trying to like correct you, not just in martial arts stuff, like even here on the Kung Fu Genius channel, right? I'll mm -hmm. write like, you know, Bruce Lee death conspiracies that make no sense. Oh, yeah. And someone will write like, yeah, Bruce Lee died da -da -da, this way here. Like, they'll just chime in like as if, and they haven't seen the video yet because the video hasn't premiered. And then they'll say something like that. And then I'll be like, well, it's settled then. I'm going to take this video down. <laughs> I always say that. It's one of my favorite comments. And of course, the video always stays up. Oh, no. So, so the thing is like, uh, look, you see something that you think is bullshit and you see something you think that doesn't work. Why the hell do you care? Do you care because you look at that video has 2 million views and you go, wow, 2 million people now are going to use this thing in self-defense. Big platform. All right. Again, what do you piss off? The big platform. And then when you go there, this thing would never work in real fight. The guy would just punch you with his other hand. All right. What, what's the outcome going to be? All right. The people who agree with you are going to go like, yeah, man, you're totally right. And then you do that for stroking your own ego for that dopamine high of people telling you that you're great. Mm. And then the other people can say, no, man, this totally works. And I use this or whatever. And then you go and then cut. And what? The video's still up. You keep commenting back and forth, which helps the algorithm of the video that you hate. And more people are going to watch it. Man. And at the end of the day, probably the person who has those two, two million views on that video isn't even reading your comments because there are thousands of comments and they don't care. And what is triggering you? The fact that they have a bigger social media preference, uh, 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 platform, I should say, mm -hmm. probably. The fact that someone does something in a different way than you do it, yeah, probably pissing you off. Or is it the fact that you wish that the thing you did, everyone else did that and there was no other version of it? It's probably a combination of all those three. Mm. And so that means that you give way too much of a fuck and you need to stop giving a f all right, and get a life, all right? So that's the first thing I would say about people who comment on that kind of stuff. Mm. Mm. The other thing I'm going to say is um, some of those techniques, 
it's all contextual and it all depends on what you train. So for example, if someone grabs your throat, okay, in Wing Chun, we might have a much shorter response where we just do like a quick movement, maybe to strip the hand off our neck and punch the guy in the face or boom, you do a quick uh, kick or you roll the, you, you roll the grab with your shoulder and then hit the guy, something super short. But another style, and you see this a lot on Instagram, might grab the arm, wrap the other arm over, do that wrap and then a throw, which is, takes a some coordination and some time and it's a few more movements now if you don't practice this thing a lot you most likely won't be able to pull that off but if you were doing this thing every day all the time and this thing hypothetically happens you might get it to work um but you might not but either mm. way it depends on how well have you trained it and can you do it under stress and that you don't know when you're just looking at a technique by itself all right like i look at some aikido stuff that seagal does and I go, some of that looks cool. Some of that looks totally crazy. And some of that looks like, yeah, it could work, but you have to really practice that a lot in order to get it to work. So the question is, if we're practicing a martial art where we're more concerned about like, oh, I just want to learn how to defend punches or do chi sao, or I'm just doing it for fun. Mm -hmm. How much time are you going to invest in throat grab defense? All right. You should do it. You should have an idea of what to do, but it's all... How much are you going to do it now? Some styles out there, that's all they teach, how to get out of these different holds. And maybe they can do stuff other people can't because that's all they do. Uh. All right. And so that's another thing. And I'll never forget when um, Tom DeBlas, who's a famous high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, I um, invited him here to City Wing Chun to do like a, just a small one-hour, two-hour workshop with my students. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, can we maybe do some clinch stuff? And he was like, yeah, sure. So he, he, you know, he used me as his partner. We're doing like some half clinch stuff. And then he was showing like how you, you put your hand on the person's elbow and keeping your arm tight, how you roll and turn and kind of wrench the guy's arm off and back away, which is actually the same thing we mm -hmm. teach as one of right. our, it's a part of our wooden dummy program with the anti-neck pull, right? When you get caught and you can't get that neck pull off, you, 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 you kind of move the shoulder this way here and you use your body, right? In Wing Chun, when we do it, we might stay close and then continue doing our chi sao. When he did it, he popped it off and he and he he got space and then he re-engaged. But the technique was the same. And I remember when he showed it, like all my senior students who had learned that technique in Wing uh -huh. Dummy, they all looked at me like, wow, yeah. he's doing it, right? Now, if Tom DeBlas shows that technique in a video, all right, because he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy and had fought in UFC and Bellator, people go like, oh, yeah, okay. But guarantee you, even if he shows that on his page, there'll be dudes going, yo, man, that would never work, man. If you do that, yeah. I'll just do that, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. he's freaking Tom DeBlas, all mm -hmm. right? Um, but what he showed was actually the same thing that I teach my students in the same situation, right? Now, that's not to say that everything he teaches is the same as what I teach. Obviously not. I'm Wing Chun. He does Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, but there it was. But he showed it as an isolated technique. All right. So we just started in that position. So I'm already holding on to him because he's demonstrating a technique. And then he shows, you know, how to do this kind of pop off with your hand and back away, right? But that's not done under the stress of a real fighting situation. And that was quite literally like, okay, if someone grabs your head like this, so he's showing me how to set it up, which is how most techniques are taught. Okay, if you do this, uh, then this is what I would do. All right. And that's how you learn the movement. And then later you put that under a little bit of pressure testing. And then eventually that technique might happen in free sparring when you don't expect it. And then you have to recall that reaction. That's kind of the three-step process to learning everything, right? You got to understand what you're trying to do. You got to practice slowly and correctly. And then later you add speed, power, intensity, or the chaos of doing it in a real yeah. fight, right? But when 
Tom DeBlast was showing this anti-clinch technique to my students for the first time. We just start in this position and then he does it. But if you were a Kung Fu person and mm -hmm. you said, and you just had someone grab your neck and you did literally the same thing, but like, oh, it's totally bullshit because the guy grabs you, right? And because they're looking at a technique done in isolation and techniques done in isolation are done for demonstration or teaching purposes, all right? Okay. And then everyone does that. When you see a Brazilian jiu-jitsu technique shown on Instagram, usually the professor, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor will say, okay, here I am in this, this uh, type of um, uh, mount position. And then he pushes me here. And then I go and I put him in an arm lock and they show the steps. And then maybe he does it a little bit quicker. But he was not showing that under sparring pressure. He's demonstrating and showing the movement. Okay. Okay. And no one says anything. This is Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Of course, obviously, there are videos where you could see it in live time and so on and so forth. But if you are not from Brazilian jiu-jitsu or Thai boxing and you show any technique in a technical step-by-step -step manner, the way they show it in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Thai boxing, yeah. then suddenly it's fake because the other guy's not really fighting you. And it's like, no, nah, bro, this is just a technical demonstration of something. Right. And so I, I thought that was like really interesting when I saw that, like he was showing techniques in the same kind of level of intensity, step by step ways we would teach anything. But if you put that on a video, the perception would be different based on who the person doing it was and who the audience is. So that's all I got to say about that topic. All right. Hey Kung Fu Genius listeners, are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for KFG fans. Right now, you can get an all-access one-month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to WCINewsstand.com and register in the upper right-hand corner. Fill out your email and password and use the code KFGTRIAL to get your free trial to all the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right, all the issues. Even the one with this cool guy on the cover. That's me for those of you listening to us on audio. My Kung Fu Genius column is also in all the new issues as if you needed another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And now back to me. Wowzers. Jamie Cavazos. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it. All right. Jamie Cavazos says great video I'm not sure which one but i'll take that i'm not sure which one either at a certain age you take any compliment you get you don't even care <laughs> if it's legit or aimed at you all right <laughs> you could be talking about some, some you could be talking DVD about one of beardy's videos <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right what do you think about xi yan ming a shaolin monk in new york uh xian ming uh was a shaolin performer from china who yeah. came in the Came in the early '90s, I believe. John John Leung from Seattle and Chan Pui from Orlando. They invited the Shaolin team from China to come and tour the U.S. And of course, Shaolin monks has to be understood in China, especially in the '90s and the '80s. These were essentially Wushu practitioners, so they are practicing a form of Chinese martial arts that's performance based mm -hmm. as opposed to function-based, all right? That's why in China, when they wanted to have kind of a more practical or more effective form of martial art, they, they created Sanda, the kickboxing, which is a very powerful and very effective martial art because the Kung Fu that they were teaching was essentially just performance Kung Fu. It was taking the traditional forms and adding some ideas from gymnastics and performance and acrobatics in there and doing everything with floppy swords so that 
it's not real swords, it's not real mm-hmm. fighting, but so everything could be done faster and in a more showy kind of way. So wu shu in Mandarin, which actually just means martial arts. It's funny because oh, right. when you hear the term wu shu, you think of like Chinese martial art practitioners in silk pajamas doing fancy jumps and spins and kicks and yeah. crazy stuff with swords and different weapons. And But the term wu shu itself just means martial arts. But that is not really... Uh, it's it's a performance art as opposed to a practical fighting art. All right. So in in the eighties, when they suddenly found the Shaolin Temple, surprise surprise, after they realized that you can make money with uh, Chinese martial arts, the Chinese government magically found and restored the Shaolin Temple. Oh, nice! And uh, it also hidden. coincided the with the movie uh, Shaolin Temple with Jet Li coming out. Mm. Um, and now suddenly, oh yeah, you can come to the cradle of Chinese martial arts because. All Chinese, all martial arts in the world come from Shaolin Temple. You know, people, everyone got along fine. No one ever had to fight in the entire long history of this planet until peaceful Buddhist monks realized you could punch and kick each other in the face. And then suddenly the greatest export was not peace and Buddhism. It was punches and kicks and weapons. So Buddhist monks invented fighting. Yeah. All right. If you follow the logic of most... Chinese Kung Fu people. Buddhist monks, well, technically Damo, an Indian monk, who taught mm-hmm. them breathing techniques. And from those breathing techniques, they're like, but we can also punch and kick people. All right. And then finally, uh, at that moment, for the first time in the history of the entire world, uh, organized violence was practiced. Man. All right. But uh, before then, it was all just kumbaya and milkshakes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, the... The monk performers in the 80s and 90s were just wushu performers with a shaved head. These were essentially paid by the tourism board of China to entertain tourists and do demonstrations and all that kind of stuff like breaking spears on the throat. All these Mm. tricks I can debunk in 10 minutes and all this stuff, these feats of Qigong or whatever. And Xi'an Ming was on that initial tour that came to the States. Later, they did lots of tours. I even saw one of them. I don't remember if it was in Seattle or Germany, but I saw one of the Shaolin monk tours. And, okay. and you know, they perform all their wushu forms and they was usually bring out some... Was that in Seattle? I don't remember. I, I oh, saw yeah. one of the shows, but I don't remember where it was. I, I, Jersey? I, no, 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 no. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Oh, They're right. all the same. They're just performing wushu and then these fake qigong things. And and uh, they usually bring out some kid who, you know, spins on a spear on his stomach. It's, it's like the same show. <laughs> They're all performers, all right? And Xi'an Ming came on that first tour from China. And of course they had a they had an escort from China to keep an eye on the performers and Xi'an Ming in the middle of the night ran from his hotel and defected and then eventually came to New York and then opened the Shaolin Temple USA. And then later got to the chance to teach all these, you know, Riza and all the members of the Wu-Tang Clan. And his school was like a big scene back in the day. Uh, I know that he moved his school. I don't know how big he is now, uh-huh. but like there was a time when he was like, you know, it was you know, can imagine all the rich people in Soho like I'm doing Kung Fu from the 34th generation Shaolin monk. He's the real deal. I'm learning at the Shaolin Temple USA. It's on Broadway. It's very exclusive. It's right across the street from my yoga school. I always get a smoothie before I go. Right, okay. right. That was like the, that was like the that cool was the shit in the that 90s or whatever. But I, I, don't know, I don't know what's become. But I've had a few students that yeah. trained here who, who trained there before, and they told me some stories. But oh, no. um, that's for a private podcast. Uh... Patreons? Uh, oh, maybe. Ah. If the Patreon supporters want to know the stuff, uh, these extra stories I've heard, not just about this, but just in general, yeah, that's for Patreons. Man. That's not for that's not for public YouTube. 
Oh, no. All right. Also, I don't like, and it's not nothing negative. I'm just saying, I've just heard lots of stuff. But again, these involve people who are still around. These are technically my competitors. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, then I'm, it's, no, it's not, it's, it's nothing bad. It's nothing bad. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, um, people told me these stories and I, I don't want to just go and tell, tell stories out of school. Let you know what out. I mean? Like, you know, gotcha. yeah. All right, moving right along. We have Chris. 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 I'm not sure which Chris it is. We got lots of Chris's. Everybody hates Chris. Rock. All right. Hi, KFG. Looking forward to it. Also, I I don't know what he he means by looking forward to it. Uh But I guess he's looking forward to something. Sometimes people put that comment before the premiere of the episode is up. So the episode hasn't come out yet. Ah, he's looking forward to it. It's a pre-comment. Mm-hmm. All right. Also, I had a question after listening to last week's. I remember you mentioning a few times that you like to read the books that Bruce read to try to get an idea into his mind. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Bruce's reading on self-help books and the like? I know you touched on Jiju Krishnamurti. I know I botched it, but who cares? And Bruce's chief definite aim. Any thoughts on Bruce's mindset on reading so much self-help literature and when there any, no, and were there any that helped you? Uh, that's a great question. Um, is it? Yeah, it is a great question because self-help is a big problem in in the world. All right, um, <laughs> oh, there wow. are there are people who are addicted to self-help. Oh, all man. right, and um, I know I don't a know number. If I'm one of those. But... I know a number of these people. Yeah. Right? Because the truth is, at least in my experience, um, we all have stuff that we're struggling with. All right. For some people it's laziness or procrastination or lack of confidence, or people feel like uh, they just don't have the wherewithal to start a business or whatever, like whatever it is. Suffering all of those. Yeah. It could. Yeah. And basket, but usually it's all the same route. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. And a good self-help book will not tell you how to solve those individual problems. They'll tell you or teach you how to fix the problem that's making you not figure out how to solve those problems. And that's the reason why most people fail when they read self-help. Because the self-help, good self-help books are telling you, okay, you don't need self-help books. (laughs) You need to get this idea into your head or this idea out of your head. And if you can do that, you don't need self-help books. You just need to go and do what you need to do. Mm. And people sometimes don't see that. And they go, okay, this help. thing says I need, this book says I need to write stuff down and write my goals. And, uh, but I'm not quite sure about that. And then they go and they write, read another book that tells them, uh, you got to do this. And then there's another book that says you got to wish on a star and think about this thing every day until it becomes true. Right. And, And what happens is they keep reading more and more self-help and it's not making them better. It's giving them a complex because now you don't have one strategy to improve your life. You have nine that are not always congruent with each other. Mm -hmm. So that is a big problem. And and, and it's not just you can read online that there are people who are literally addicted to self-help and their lives are a mess. And there was a 
a point like in my early 20s when I started uh, running my own business where I was reading nothing but self-help books. Mm-hmm. Everything from business to business motivation to all sorts of stuff, right? And there was some stuff out there that was really helpful and there was some stuff that was super complicated. And because I'm such a perfectionist, I'm like, oh no, I have to get this guy's system of self-help down. And then what happened was is I was more stressed out about following this plan of self-help than what the result was supposed to be from that. I was getting more and more of a complex, right? Until you read enough of those and you realize they're all saying the same thing, even if the strategy is not the same. They need whatever is in your head that makes you think you can or can't do something or whatever's in the way, you need to get rid of that by, by finding a strategy that works for you. And once you have that strategy, you don't need self-help anymore because the strategy allows you to overcome adversity. What you need is a principle-based way of dealing with shit. You don't need a wishy-washy method for this thing and then another wishy-washy method for that. What you need is to find, like, what are your principles? What are the things you want? What are the things you will not bend on? And then use that as a problem-solving guide for the shit that life throws in front of you. And once you have that, you don't need to keep reading those books. Because I, I, I rec- there are a couple self-help books that I think are really great. Okay. And I've recommended them to people that I'm like, this book is really going to help this person. And I recommend it to them and they read it and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was really, really great. And the following week, I find them reading another self-help book. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you that this book is the solution to all of your problems. But let's say, for example, this one book I recommend to them gives you a template to move forward. And if you follow that, you can make adjustments a long way and find the way that works for you. And they just consumed it. They're like, okay, I got the idea that now on to the next thing. And then what you realize uh-huh. is they're not applying anything they're learning. They think it's just a cumulative effect of having read enough of those books. Whereas in reality, you just find one good one mm-hmm. and follow it. And it doesn't matter if there's another one that is... 15% better, but you haven't read it yet, all right? Hmm. That that difference is not worth waiting until you find that one that's marginally better in the meantime when you should be trying to improve your life right now. And perfection, all right, is the mother of procrastination. If you're trying to do it perfect and you want everything to be absolutely perfect, you will never freaking do anything and you will never apply anything because you're afraid of making mistakes. Mistakes is how you learn. All right. And and so Bruce was someone that he read self-help books, but he also applied them like his famous quote, which is not really his knowing is not enough. You must apply. And Mm. that's the problem with self-help. People just keep consuming it, thinking that eventually they'll find the right one, even though they've read 15 books and any of those 15 books could have got them on course to fix their lives. But they're still going. No, because they're literally waiting for the book to do it for them. And that's where you fail. So Bruce obviously was a uh, read um, a lot of Krishnamurti, although Krishnamurti is not really self-help. I would, I mean, ultimately all knowledge is self-help, I suppose. But uh, I wouldn't label Krishnamurti as self-help. But he he definitely read um, Napoleon Hill's uh, Think and Grow Rich because okay. he had his famous definite chief aim. Like I, Bruce Lee, will be the highest paid superstar by the year what, 1982 or whatever, and will be paid a sum of blah, 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 blah. And then he wrote, like, the check to himself. Mm -hmm. That is actually a template in the book Think and Grow Rich, um, which is about, like, you have to have a a goal 
And you have to manifest it and make it so real in your mind that everything you're doing every day is to get to that goal. Now, nowadays, we might have better or smarter ways of looking at that. But if mm -hmm. you just followed that, you would already have a principle that you're following. Or the one guy reads it and goes, okay, that's interesting, throws a book away and then goes on to the next one. And then gain nothing from that one book. So Damn. by having a goal in mind, you say, okay, like in 10 years, I want to retire, right? And I'm going to retire at, you know, the year 2032. And so you recite this to yourself all the time. So everything you do every day is like, are, is what I'm doing today going to help me achieve that goal? Now, what you might find is three years from now, you might want to change that goal. You might say, I don't want to retire in 10 years. I want to retire in eight. Oh, right. Or you might say, I still want to retire in 10 years. But after that, I want to do something else. Right. Mm. So you can adjust course along the way. Nothing says that you have to now follow this thing for the rest of your lives. But if you have something to go for, then you can start. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And that was Bruce Lee's definite chief aim, which is from Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And uh, that is a uh, fantastic book. I read it. I thought it was helpful. But, um, you know, I have goals. And whether that's from originally reading that book or not, I don't know. But the, the concepts are in there. And I don't read that much self-help. You know what I'm reading right now? What's that? I'm reading a book about uh, myths about the FBI. Like... It's like 20 myths that uh, Hollywood has perpetuated and what the real story... Like, I read oh. geeky stuff like that, like just interesting shit. Yeah. But I don't need to read, like, you know, Tony Robbins or any of that kind of stuff because all of those things are saying the same thing. Just find one good one and do that. And don't think you have to read, read 10 of those things. Man. It's all the same. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Wowie, wowie. Okay, Axel Stone is next. That's what's up. Axel Stone is asking a question. Any luck contacting Stallone's people? I'm feeling Sylvester Stallone. Feeling Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, we contacted his peeps. Yeah, they're all for it. We'll probably have them on next week. <laughs> all right, next question. JKD Charleston. That's what's up. C for Alex showcasing some mad verbal Tai Chi skills. Question. Do we really know who Dreisen is? Could it be... Be Beardy Incognito? P.S. Dre, thanks for the shout-out. Could Dreisen be Beardy Incognito? I don't know. Beardy is not... In, he's not coherent enough. No. He's, you he, think so? Yeah, I think Dreisen, he watches the podcast. Hmm. Sometimes he even knows facts about the podcast during the recording of an episode that hasn't come out that yet. That hasn't even come out Beardy yet. is not yeah. capable of that type of introspection. He oh, just kind of wings it and makes wow. shit up. He looks at photos and makes shit up. Dreisen... He's a different creator. Yeah. To, to, to put it in a very New York way, he knows some shit. Mm. Yeah. All right. I think Dreisen might be from New York. He's definitely from New York. You know. You heard his accent on that video when you slapped him? Yeah, true. He was true. very New York. He was super New York. Super New York. All right, you know, next question. You know, it was strange. I was at work yesterday. Oh. And uh, oh, here we go. My job uh, is a warehouse guy, right? Yeah. And part of the uh, job is to move tons and tons and tons of furniture. Uh huh. And load trucks up with furniture, but it's a very systematic way, and it's all you know listed. Everything, every customer, blah blah blah. And you can't f up. If you f up, 
Oh, if you mess it up. Language. If you mess it up. Jesus. You, you, you're doing something really wrong. But one of the uh, customers' name was uh, Harry Dreisen. <laughs> and it made me, like, wonder, is he, like, coming after me? Is he stalking you? He found, he found out where, where you work. Yeah. You better lock your, I mean, your doors, I, man. But I told all my Close uh, your co-workers. Windows. Hide said, your kids. Hey. Hide your wife. Yeah. I told my coworkers, I said, yo, look out for this guy. And I showed yeah. them the video. Right. We got to look out for this guy. If you gotta see look out this for guy, him. let me know. Call the cops. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's after me. For sure. Yeah. All right. What do we got next? All right. Next up, we got um, Christian Creasy. That's what's up. Okay. Hell no. <laughs> Definitely not the Iron Fist from the Netflix series, the one in the comic book. Question. Oh, because we were trashing that Iron Fist series <laughs> at some point, right? At some point. I like how these sometimes start. They just out of nowhere, right? Question. Yeah, because they're specific to the episode, and like if we might not get to it for like a month or two, and we're like, this dude's <laughs> coming in hot. I don't even remember what we were talking about. It's the best part. Have you ever thought about doing more WT demos like you did before? Those were very good, and I know it definitely helped. Improve my Gansau Ganda. Interesting. Uh, so I assume he's talking about like my Howcast series where I kind of show that technical stuff. No, I mean, that was very early on. That was shortly after I left Sifu Learning's organization. They contacted me. We did all these like quick little how-to things. It's, it's my D-level material. Um, and uh, I, I don't plan on doing that stuff because there's nothing more thankless than teaching people for free on YouTube. If people want to learn Wing Chun from me, they can, they can come online. I, I do the private classes through Zoom, or you can come here to New York, or you can do an immersion course in Orlando. But uh, teaching Wing Chun for free on YouTube is thankless, all right? Because it's just, why, all right? Like the Joker said, if you're good at doing anything, why do it for free, mm. all right? So, um, no. I, and again, the, the whole purpose of this podcast was not just a platform for me to go, well, let's explain what Bong Sao is about and use this as a bully pulpit to kind of cram the way I do Wing Chun down everyone's throat. This is about having discussion. But obviously, if people want to learn from me, uh, look, all the links are in the description below all of these episodes, whether it's for my immersion course or training okay. with us in New York or doing Zoom private training. If you're already a Wing Chun practitioner and you want me to take a look at what you're doing and you got a partner maybe and you want we can we can do some corrections, I can give you some ideas. I can do all of that stuff online. That's not a problem. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't teach for free. Um, that's pointless. Mm. One thing I did love about the Howcast series was the front thrust kick. Yeah. Front thrust kick, crazy. Craziness. Jerry D-Man. Okay. You sound like Batman villain names. <laughs> love the show. I learned a lot about the history of various martial arts, among other things. Question. If you could do a remake of Warriors 2 and Prodigal Son... Who would you cast as the main characters for each of the movies? As a martial arts movie buff, it would be interesting to hear your take. Uh, wow, that's a uh, that's a great question. So a remake of two classic films, wow. especially Prodigal Son, in my opinion, is the better of the two. And I feel that Prodigal Son was perfectly cast. With Lam Ching Ying as Le yeah. Tai and uh, Frankie Chan as the the villain and Yun Biu as uh, Leung Chan, uh, young Leung Chan and uh, obviously Sammo Hung as Wong Wa Po. 
Hmm. Very difficult to top that kind of casting with a modern actor because uh, I don't know if you've looked around, but the new generation, I mean, we, we, when you looked at the Hong Kong film industry in the 70s and 80s, you had just so many Kung Fu actors that were capable of doing so many different types of roles, so many different types of styles and with different looks and big guy, strong guy, this guy, that mm -hmm. guy. And now you have like a couple names of people who do martial arts, obviously like Donnie Yen, and you still have a few of like the old. Would you get some MMA guys that can act? For a prop for a remake of Prodigal Son or Warriors Two, no. Um, unless it was unless it was a modern retelling of the story, like okay, we're, we're not we're not bound by um, we're not telling a story of something that happened in Qing Dynasty China. We are taking mm -hmm. Prodigal Son and um, making it into a modern action movie with the same story. But it's a modern action movie. Now, the story in Prodigal Son is amazing. I mean, basically, you know, Leung Chan is a, uh, you know, young um, martial arts enthusiast, but his father's very rich and his father doesn't want to see him get hurt. Oh, so right. his father always has his assistant um, pay off his opponents to lose. Right. <laughs> so then and he has two martial art instructors, uh, one played by uh, Lei Hoi Sang. Uh, who will teach him, but basically they're just coddling his ego. Oh, you're doing so great. Oh, you're so good. Right, oh, you're so right. good. And then so he thinks he's really good. And every time he squares off with someone, his assistant very quickly pays them off to lose. So he's basically surrounded by people who are making him think that he's really good at martial arts. But the reason why his father does this is because his father cares for him and might be misguided. Um, and his father doesn't want to see him get hurt. Mm -hmm. And then you have another prodigal son played by Frankie Chan, who is from nobility. But the difference is he actually has fighting ability and he's really, really good. But he also has these two assistants who kind of scope out and check out his opponents beforehand. Now, the difference ah. is that Frankie Chan's character actually can beat the ass of most of the people. But when they see Leung Yi Tai played by Lam Ching Ying, they're like a little worried, right? And they're a little <laughs> they're and of course, you know, right. if 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 their guy was gonna lose, they would probably do something like shank him or whatever. Right. But luckily in their first exchange, luckily for Frankie Chan's character, Lam Ching Ying gets an asthma attack and then has to stop, right? But basically it's a tale of two prodigal sons, and then when Leung Chan finds out very harshly that he, all of his martial arts skills are a sham, he then begs to be taught by Leung Yi Tai. And then Leung Yi Tai is a very reluctant instructor until eventually he uh, does teach him and then he learns Wing Chun and then he later learns from his other Kung Fu uncle, Wong Wa Bo. And then, you know, then the rest of the film kind of continues, right? Mm -hmm. You could do a modern retelling of that, you know, of even like using MMA or, you, yeah. you, you know, where like all of his enemies or all of his opponents are paid off and then he finally finds out he can't do shit <laughs> and, then, and then he goes and he learns or something uh, like that. Like you could do that, right? right? But if you were going to do it, if you were going to do a remake, a classic remake rather than a modernized reboot of the story um, and I'm looking around the current Hong Kong or Chinese martial arts actor landscape, mm -hmm. you can't do it. Ah, dumb. You can't remake that movie because that movie was made without CGI. You had actual acrobatics. You had Lam Ching Ying actually doing those flips and somersaults over that flaming flag. Mm. Who are you going to find mm. to do that? A gymnast? Can that gymnast also do martial arts? No. But back in those days, those guys could do all of that. Wow. So It's a different school. Were you going to do a 
modern version with CGI and all that stuff, it doesn't have the same charm. You cannot remake it. It would just be a steaming pile of dog shit. <laughs> Both of those films. It would just be everything you've seen before. CGI, kung fu, very slickly shot. We've seen that a million times. The actors are not really doing those things. So you're not invested in it. Kung fu films are dead. Everything that comes out of China and Hong Kong now in terms of martial arts is garbage. It's just all garbage. I can't even tell. I've not watched a new Jackie Chan movie since 2005. Oh, damn. I'm going to watch any of that stuff. I don't want to watch that stuff. It's not the same. It's over. It's over. Those films are over. It's done. It's dead. Oh, well. Next question. <sighs> All right, next up, we got Ken Hong. Oh, Hoang. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen the interview where Chung said Bruce took steroids? Have you seen this interview? You're talking about William Chung? Who's Chung? I, there are I, a lot of Chinese named Chung. It's a Chung. Uh-huh. Chung. It's actually pronounced Chung with a J in real life. Right? But they always spell the CH. Uh, well, so I don't know. Uh, uh, who, what Chung are we talking about? All right. Yeah. William, no. Well, I haven't. All right. Okay. And also, uh, William Chung moved to Australia when he was like 18. Yeah. Which is around the time Bruce Lee moved to America. And they exchanged some letters. But from what I understand, they never actually met face to face again. So... <laughs> So what what would know. what would William Chang's opinion on whether Bruce was using what 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 value would that be? All right, imagine you knew someone, someone famous, uh, until you were, but they weren't famous, but you knew that person around the time you were eighteen, and then that person moved to another country, became super super famous, and died, and you never saw them again. The fact that you knew them back when they were eighteen does not qualify you to say everything that was going on in their lives during a time period where you never even saw them. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, I mean, people like, but I never met Bruce Lee. I never even coexisted in the same timeline as Bruce Lee, all right? But when I talk about him, I, I try to talk about stuff that has been mentioned by primary sources. Um, William Chang would be a secondary source at best about anything that happened to Bruce Lee after he left Hong Kong. He would not be a primary source other than what what Bruce wrote in his letters. But anything else, that's just speculation. Okay. But again, I know since he just said Chung, I don't know, perhaps he thinks the the, the surname Chung is very common uh, surname in Chinese, right? So, so there are many actors. We're talking, like about Ho- we're talking about Hawkins Chung. It's the same Chung, right? So, uh. no, the Bolo is Yang. Bolo Yang. No, but I'm just saying, he has his name Chung. He's just one name guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bolo. Style. Like Madonna. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that guy who sang uh, Rico Suave? Yeah. What was his name? Huh? His name, oh, Rico Suave. Because that was the name of his song, but everyone called... Geraldo. Yeah, that's right. He was also a a one-name guy. Because everyone's like, oh, no, that dude's Rico Suave. No, no, that was the name of his song. He's not Rico Suave. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Hey, well, you called him Rico Suave. That's right. Suave. Oh, man. All right, next question. Mike Bowman. Here we go. All right. That's two names. We got to get more one-namers up in here. Thank you for the great podcast. You're welcome. I'd love to hear you expound on Jun Ma sometime if possible. Wing Chun seems to be in the extreme minority in its teaching of heel pivoting, most lineages. But unless the floor and footwear allow it 
seems practical. Boxing, Taekwondo, JKD, Kali, etc., etc., all teach movement primarily generalization on the balls of the feet. Even the saying, put them on their heels, means no means to surprise to the point of arresting ability to perform. Is it maybe for developing body unity and not for application? And if it is truly a better way, why haven't other styles adopted it? Thank you. I'm from one of the lineages that doesn't put the weight on the heel, so I have nothing to say about that. All right, it's like someone explaining to you how something is done, and that's literally not how you do it at all. So I had to sit through that. I don't know. Why would you put your weight on your heels? It's the least athletic thing you can do. Least. Sorry. The, the total, yeah. Yeah. It's not how we do it. It's horseshit. No, it's just. I can't say it's horseshit. I mean, maybe the people who do that have a justification for it, right? But that's not how that's not how we weight our foot, and that's not how we move. And mm-hmm. again, this podcast is not a a. Um, well, maybe they, it's not a platform for me to teach Wing Chun. If you want to, if you want to learn how I do things, you can definitely there are methods and avenues to do that. But it's on me to say this method is no good or that method is good or whatever. But I'm from a lineage that does not advocate putting your weight on your heels for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. We don't turn on the heels for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have nothing to say. What, what I have, I can't comment on that. Maybe he assumes that we put our weight on the heels. Yes, but but the assumption is wrong. So I I can't, Mm. you know, people, it it would be like, uh, like you you drive in an SUV right now, right? And it would be like, so like, yo, Dre, why do you only drive station wagons? And you're like, well, I don't drive. (laughs) No, no, why do you only drive station wagons? And like, how are you going to answer that? You can't answer that. Okay. All right. right. Last one more question. You sure? Yeah. No. That's all we got time for. No. Yes. Mo Howard. Mo Howard. All right. (laughs) Mo Howard, man, sure we don't got any time for another. Just finished this episode on Spotify. Great episode, as they all are. I'm glad you touched on Dragon, the Bruce Lee story again. Fun movie with great fight scenes and a cameo from Nancy Kwan is worth the price of admission, of admission by itself. But the history was total bullshit. Not what total. part? I mean, it was about a dude named Bruce Lee. They got that right. What part of the film did you dislike the most? For me, it was the demon element. Uh, I have not watched Dragon the Bruce Lee story in a dog's age. All right. Uh, I remember um, it was on TV like a few years ago. And um, I was like on the couch with, with my wife, Carol. And I never had subjected her to watch that film before. But I had mentioned it before, and I'm like, oh, hey, this is that movie that they made <laughs> in America about Bruce Lee. Uh-huh. And then so we watched some parts of it, and she was just horrified. I mean, because... Because of the demon scene? No, no, no. we didn't even watch that much. But just oh, like wow. it, it is, again, another Hollywood portrayal of Chinese people. And she mm. was just like, what is this? I mean, she's not a Bruce Lee expert by any stretch of the imagination, but she, you know, she, I mean, being around me for as long as she has, she knows a thing or two about Bruce Lee. Okay. And so, like, for her, she's like, what is this crap? I'm like, this is what Americans imagine Hong Kong and all this shit to be like, right? So, uh, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I mean, uh, in high, the, uh, the portrayal of Yip Man pissed me off, you know, like uh, English-speaking Yip Man who later practiced with a Tai Chi sword. <laughs> And, you know, spouts off some kind of very Western-sounding philosophies. So, I, I don't know. See that. It's I only a few scenes that yeah. pop into my head. I don't know. 
Uh, I, the, the movie does not live in my head rent free that much. So yeah. I, uh, I don't really have. I, I would have to watch it again to find out what I don't like about it. It's just collectively, the whole movie is kind of annoying. Man. Yeah. All right. We have one more? I guess, man. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Next up, we got Dryzen. And, and, and he's asking uh, a hybrid hypothetical. What the hell does that mean? Uh, hybrid hypothetical. What the f- I don't know. Are you and him cool? I mean, you slapped him in the face. He tried to Instagram me. Instagram after me. that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like the night after. Weird. Yeah. Isn't your Strange. IG? Isn't your IG public? I I know, but he. But you 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 watch like a hawk, like who's on there? He slipped into my DMs. He slipped into your yeah. DMs. Yeah. Was sending Random. you sending you nudes or whatever, right? <laughs> Is it weird because he looks kind of like you? That was the thing we that never really realized. Thing. Yeah. That was the you weirdest thing. You guys have like part. very similar facial features. But he has really really terrible hair. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> fluffy. It's a fluffy hair. He has a weird hairstyle. I, yeah. couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't pull that off. Um, anyway, he's asking a uh, hybrid hypothetical, which I don't even know what this means, but I'll, I'll read it and see what happens. It's strange because Mikey Dean's not here. I know. To say he... things like shocker. <laughs> right. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> or like whenever we make some kind of British or Australian oh, or wherever the hell he's anything. from joke. Yeah. Then, you know, we always get the like, <laughs> the anger from back there, yeah, right? Yeah, but we yeah. can talk all that. He's from Australia, isn't he? He's from or New Austria. Zealand. Austria. I can never get the two straight. Something like that. Do you remember Dumb and Dumber? I do. The opening scene? Yeah. He's in the limousine? Yeah. And he's driving and he goes all the way to the back to speak to that hot chick <laughs> and puts the window down as if he's the passenger, but he's a driver. And then he's like, that's a very lovely accent you have. Where is it? New Jersey? And she's like, Austria. And he's like, well, put another shrimp on the barbie. (laughs) (laughs) So seed. Reminds me so much of Mikey Deed. We still don't know where he's from. It's a great video with uh, Iggy Azalea. Yeah. And there's a bit. I I forget who he's. I think he's talking with. um, I think she's being interviewed by... uh, Damn, I can't remember some for the life of me, but it is so good. Yeah. So good. Scottish. Uh, Mikey Dean's Scottish. That's right. Scottish. Yeah. Irish. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, the hybrid hypothetical. Um, hey, dude. Uh, what happened up there was uncalled for. I don't know what he's referring oh, to. Oh, is he talking about when you I slapped him? I don't know. Him? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. He came in and he said a joke about me, but you thought that joke was funny at first. No, I didn't. Until I gave you that uh, Jada Smith side eye, and then you decided to finally man up <laughs> no, and slap the shit out of him. That's not what happened. Oh, it's not? No. I'm pretty sure we have videographic I'm, evidence I'm about that. I'm in the middle, middle of reading. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Anyway, uh, that was uncalled for, but you know what? I still love you guys, and I'm, I'm over it. My face is healed, and I'm happy about... Just getting up there to the school and saying hello, even though I wasn't in. He the called best me mood. the Kung Fu Chicken, the KFC. I, I remember I was he there. He had nothing but disrespect. Now you it thought it was so funny. Dis- now you thought it was, it was funny. So yeah, no, I get it. No, I get it. it you was laughed totally at first. Disrespectful. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, you go to Instagram, watch a video of Dre yeah. slapping Dreyson. So he said, he's saying, yeah. Anyway, um. Had had Dre not caught me off guard, I would have bust his ass. 
I walked. I didn't even catch him off guard. I walked straight to him. He had his hands down from what I could tell. Yeah. 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 And you didn't, it wasn't even like a non-telegraphic strike. You pulled that thing all the way back. Yeah. Super, te- like. Yeah. Like. From, started in New Mexico. From here, though. Yeah. Went all the way around normal Mexico. I, I literally showed them. Yeah. Past Cuba. The heavens above. Right. All the way to Jersey. Yeah. Anyway, let me finish reading this fucking jacket. I'm not, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I can tell you're a little pissed now. Pissing me off. Right you feel now. like he, he got off too easy. Bust my ass? Yeah, he said he would bust your ass if I if I didn't if if well, I didn't did catch kinda, him off guard. He did kind of look like he was in shape. Maybe if you didn't catch him off guard, maybe the two. I I would love to see you and Dryson have a fight. Not gonna happen. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna entertain that. But let me finish reading. So, off guard, I would whatever, whatever. Because he's a punk bitch. Wow. Wow. Them be fighting words. So far, what's the hybrid hypothetical? I'm, I don't even see I'm, it. I'm trying to get past, like, all this. Cra- but I still love him. He's still one of the coolest co-hosts in a podcast. And one of the <laughs> one of the coolest co-hosts. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Second if, only to Mikey Dean. Yeah. <laughs> His uh, my question is if Bruce Lee were alive today, do you think he would have an anonymous YouTube account to troll people? You mean like have a fake YouTube name just to troll people? Yeah. Nah. That's not manly. Bruce wouldn't do that. And that's all I gotta say about that. Okay, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. Like this episode. And if you have any comments and questions you want me to address in a future episode, go ahead and write them below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. That's what's up. Okay, so. That's what she said. Take it easy. Andrew Lin in the house. You know who he is, right? Is that our first question, though? I'm pretty sure I highlighted the banger. That was the whole point. Devin Harper. All right. <laughs> so Andrew Lynn. Andrew Lynn, go you ahead and good. edit that. The first question is going to be Devin Harper. All right. All right, peoples. All right, peeps. All right, peeps. All right, peoples. All right. Bah. All right. Yeah. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kong Alright, peoples. <laughs> Alright, man. Alright, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of taxi driving seafoods. <laughs> seafoods. 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 Clams. And shrimp driving taxis. All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the G... Why are you shaking your head? Why are you shaking your head, man? All right, peeps, on today's episode, all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots <laughs> of gems. The genius will be answering 
all sorts of hot nuns. What you laughing at, man? What you laughing at, man? All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of this, lots of that. Check another body, a blue back. Oh, 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 oh,